What's up, the point? How are we doing tonight? It's awesome. Did you all see me just slap Danny in the face? I didn't mean to. I'm sorry, Danny. I love you, Danny. Awesome, guys. I am so, I'm so pumped to be here tonight. Uh, I got a chance to meet some of you uh, at a little retreat back in the fall called Dig. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Uh, how many people rode on bus four? Any bus four? That's right. That's right. Bus four is where it's at. For the record, uh, we had a moment of silence on bus four when the Braves lost. You guys remember that? That was a tragic. And then I think, Austin, I think we prayed for like Chipper Jones and his family. Is that right? We did. We did. Over the, like the PA. It was awesome. It was awesome. Uh, well, guys, I am I'm just so thrilled to be here uh, for sure. For those of you that don't know me, uh, my name is Steve, and I'm a student pastor resident at our Flowery Branch campus, uh, which is awesome. Up in Hall County, yeah. Anyone, anyone ever been north to the the great white north of Hall County? So good, so good. Uh, well, uh, we we did something pretty special for our students recently, where we actually made we made a Valentine's video that we thought that they would enjoy, and so we want to give you just a little taste of how we run things up in Hall County. Check it out. Valentine's Day, it's Valentine's Day, gonna fall in love. Pops pocket full of poses, a fat water cash and a handful of roses. It's Valentine's Day, it's Valentine's Day, gonna uh, are we just repeat? Yeah. Isn't that awesome? Fat water cash and a handful of roses. You know what I'm saying? That's a good Valentine's Day. Check it out. Those are one hundred dollar bills for the record. That's real. Come on. That's what I'm talking about. So I'm talking about. Uh, well guys, check it out. If this is your first time to the point. We want to say welcome. We're so pumped that you're here. Tonight is awesome because tonight we're talking about something that we all deal with. In fact, for many of you, as soon as you woke up this morning, there was some of this happening. Some of you experience this daily, maybe multiple times a day. And so we're talking about something that we all deal with, and that is conflict. All of us deal with conflict. Like no matter who you are, no matter where you're from, no matter what stage of life you're in, that we all deal with conflict. And uh, what I've learned is that there's two main types of people when it comes to conflict. There are the people that love conflict and then the people that just absolutely hate conflict, right? I mean, the people that like, when there's a tension, they feel the need to bring it up immediately. You know, like there's something in the room and it needs to be addressed right now. You know, those type of people. And the other people that when there's tension, they just want to kind of brush it under the rug. You know what I'm saying? Like the people that pursue conflict with everything they have and then the people, they just kind of leave it to the side. So just out of curiosity, how many of you would say you fall into that first category? I love conflict. I love addressing conflict. If there's an issue, I want to deal with it yesterday. You know what I'm saying? That's me, for the record. I love, I love conflict. How many of you are in that second category? You don't like conflict. Whatever, you wouldn't raise your hand anyway because you don't like conflict, right? So uh, what's funny, I think there's like this big, this big cosmic joke that God pulls on us because it seems like in dating relationships and especially for marriage relationships, God puts one of each of the two types together. Like it's weird. There's always the person in the relationship that loves conflict and wants to constantly bring it up and the other person that wants to constantly put it down and not talk about this. Uh, I learned this was actually true of me and my wife, Catherine, 
uh, very early on in our dating relationship. In fact, I've got a picture of just, just beautiful. Beautiful, right? I don't know how she resisted that. Well, she didn't resist the beard because obviously we're married now. So uh, pretty, pretty epic. How many of y'all think I should bring that back? You want to see the nasty goat? Just awful. So bad. So bad. Well, it, it was like maybe two months into our dating relationship. And, uh, and, and there was a tension between us. I honestly don't even remember what it was. But there was something going on between us. And I sensed it. Uh, those of you that love bringing up conflict, we have like a spidey sense. Right? Like we know when there's something amiss, something needs to be addressed. So, so, so I feel the tension in the room rising. And immediately I think, we got to address this. And so I bring it up. And almost as quickly as I bring it up, she immediately puts it down. Which, again, for those of you that are like me, that's a good way to make us angry, right? Because we want to deal with it now. We want, like, immediately. So, so I start getting even more animated, even more passionate, like, we got to deal with this issue right now. And the more I bring it up, the more she tries to kind of sweep it under the rug. Which, of course, again, I'm just passionate. Like, we got to talk about this. So I keep pushing and pushing. We need to discuss this. We need to talk about it. Until I uh, made her cry. Not, not, I know, not a good moment, not a good moment. Um, it, honestly, it was that day that I realized that, you know, when it comes to conflict, we, we just deal with conflict differently. I also learned that the UGA dining hall is not the best place to bring up conflict. It, 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 was, it was awful. Just right there in public, I'm an idiot. Just, so never, never do that. But here's the deal. Whether you're dating, whether you're single, uh, no matter what group of life you're in, we all deal with conflict, right? Like, like maybe you have conflict with a teacher because they hand you a grade back and you're like, ah, uh, no, that's not correct. Like the work that I did is way better than the grade that you gave me. There's conflict, right? Or maybe you have a group of friends and you guys get along and everything's good, but there's that one topic that if you bring it up, it's bad. It's bad, right? Tensions start to rise. The blood starts to boil. There's conflict. Or especially if you're dating someone, there's always conflict. There's always, and, and, and the crazy thing about uh, conflict in dating is that you never really know where it begins, right? It's just like all of a sudden you're yelling at one another and then you think back and you're like, I think this started when we were talking about mustard. Like how did we get from mustard to at each other's throats? That is ridiculous, and your parents, right? I mean, obviously, there's conflict with parents because parents don't get us, right? They don't get where we want to go, what we want to do. They don't get us. And then if you have siblings, it's like you take a breath and there's conflict, right? Your brother, your sister. Like, there's just, there's just always, always conflict. And here's the fun thing about conflict is that it's always the other person's fault. You know, right? Come on, right? I mean, whenever there's conflict, it's always their fault. Okay, maybe... Maybe, maybe, it's like 3% my fault, but it's like 97% their fault. Like they're the ones that, which is why people like me love bringing up conflict, because we get to tell you how you're wrong, because this was your fault, right? But, but there's a problem. The problem is conflict corrupts. Conflict corrupts. See, conflict has the potential to, ruin relationships. Conflict is a fire, and when it gets out of control, it burns the people 
that you love. Conflict is dangerous. Conflict corrupts. And so if, if, if conflict is something that we all deal with, I mean, there's, there's always conflict no matter where we turn, and yet it has the potential to do this much damage, what do we do about it? I mean, what do we do when there's something like conflict that is just unavoidable, and yet it ruins relationships? I mean, how does conflict even begin, and what do we do about it? Thankfully, we're not the first ones to think of these questions. I mean, these questions have been debated and talked about for thousands and thousands of years. And thankfully for us, the Bible is not silent on this issue of conflict. So what I'd love for you to do is turn to James, James chapter 4, verse 1. This is on page 1218 of your Worship Center Bibles. You guys have been in the middle of a study on the book of James, which is awesome. I love James. James is actually a letter written by a guy named James, so they named it after him, and uh, it's written by James to a group of new believers, people that just became Christians. See, here's what happened. Like, the God of everything, right, the great I am that created the stars that we see in the sky, the God of Moses, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, this big, huge God sent his son into the world, and his son did amazing, incredible things. Like, he healed the sick, he performed all these amazing miracles, right? He fed the 5,000, he even raised people from the dead. The wisdom that he had was unlike anyone else. And then, the religious leaders of the day, not, not like the heathens, right? The religious leaders of the day killed him. They killed him. But many of you know the rest of the story, right? Jesus did not stay dead. He came back to life, three days later, and for the record, it was not zombie Jesus. You know, this was like an actual Jesus, not walking dead Jesus. This was for real, like he was eating. He was not making gurgling noises with his throat, right? This was a real life Jesus. People saw, like the Bible says 500 people saw him alive, 500 people. And so, I mean, it's pretty obvious, right? People start following this Jesus movement. I mean, it makes sense. Like, if there is a guy that claims to be the son of God that performs all these amazing miracles, right, healing sick, raising from the dead, teaching wisdom, they kill him, and then he comes back to life, I think I'm with that guy, right? I mean, if I see him alive after they killed him, I'm going to follow him. It was easy. But the problem was there's this group of people, and they didn't really know how to live their lives. Like, they knew that Jesus was Lord, and they were going to follow him, but they had a lot of questions, and so that's what James seeks to answer. He writes a letter to these group of people that are following Jesus to give them insights on how to live their life. And so obviously, the topic of conflict came up. And this is kind of fun. James, the guy that wrote this, was actually the brother of Jesus. So I don't know if you guys knew that, but like, let that sink in for just, <laughs> okay, J the brother of Jesus. Like, Jesus is your brother, can, can you imagine having conflict with your brother who's the son of God? Like, good luck winning that argument, dude. I don't think it's going to work, right? Like, Jesus is your brother. And so if anyone was familiar with conflict, it was James. And so James seeks to answer these questions. James chapter 4, verse 1, he says this. What causes fights and quarrels among you? 
which is a really fancy Bible way of saying, why is there conflict? Like, why does conflict happen? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? Desires in you. You desire, but you don't have, so you kill. You covet, but you cannot get what you want. So you quarrel and fight. See, what James says here is he says, if you, if you boil down all the conflict you've ever had, just boil it down to its basic root, whether it's with your family, with friends, with your girlfriend, doesn't matter. You boil it down, and the reason there is conflict is because I'm not getting what I want. I'm not getting what I want. The reason there's conflict is because I'm not getting what I want. And if you think about it for a second, it's like, well, no, duh. Like, if I was getting what I wanted, there would be no conflict. So let's just solve conflict by everyone giving me what I want, right? That's a fantastic idea. So James is saying, the reason there's conflict is because I'm not getting what I want. Regardless of what they've said, regardless of what they've done, it's because I'm not getting what I want. But then James actually goes further. Because see, there's, there's something else underneath the surface. It's like it's true that the reason there's conflict is because I'm not getting what I want, but there's something more. And so James goes on. He says this, you do not have because you do not ask God. It's interesting. When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with the wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. So when conflict happens, yes, it's because I'm not getting what I want, but there's something deeper. There's something underneath the surface. When there's conflict, it's also because I don't trust God to give me what I need. I mean, if I'm, I know you'd never say that, but, but, but if you're honest with yourself, it's because I don't trust God to give me what I need. Here's the way life works. Uh, sometime in elementary, maybe middle, maybe now, maybe in high school, you get an idea of what you want in life, like your end goal, the thing that you want to be, right? I mean, maybe it's as specific as the exact job you want to have, or maybe it's broad, like, I, I really want to get married one day. I really want to have a family one day. Maybe I want to work at a, at a Fortune 500 company one day. Maybe one day I want to actually work at a church. And so there's all the, these things that we want. There's all these dreams. And when we think about it, it's like we're the only ones that are fighting for our dreams, right? I mean, we're the only ones that want that specific dream. No one else is going to fight for us. No one else is going to protect that dream. So I've got to go after that dream. I need to chase down that dream. And so we start getting focused on the things that we want. And then when people get in the way, there's conflict. Because if I don't get what I want, that means I'm not going to get what I need to get that dream. And I need to be that type of person. I need to have that job. I need to marry that person. I need to have that family. I need to get those things. And when people get in my way, then there's going to be conflict. See, we think we're the only ones fighting for what we want. We're the only ones that want something. But the truth is, God actually wants something too. God wants something too. If you, if you go down to verse 5, listen to this. He says, do you think Scripture says without reason that he, being God, jealously 
longs for the spirit he has caused to dwell in us. God jealously longs for the spirit he has given you. God is jealous for you. God actually cares for you and for your life. It, uh, it actually reminds me of a good friend of mine named Jeremy. His name is Jeremy Ransom. And uh, back in the day, uh, before I was a pastor um, here at 12 Stone, I actually was a worship leader, right? Kind of like John Joyner. John Joyner. What a guy. That's what I'm talking about. See, I wasn't nearly as good looking as John Joyner. Uh, also, I didn't write awesome songs like Faith Works. How good is that song? Can we just... Dude, so, like, like you guys got a regular Chris Tomlin. You realize that, right? Like, you're very, like, personal Chris Tomlin in a box. There he is. He's awesome. He's so good. I was not that good. I was mediocre at best, but I was, I was a worship leader. And so one time I was leading worship up at a camp in North Georgia. And uh, I was actually leading worship with my brand new guitar. See, I... I'd, I'd, I'd borrowed all sorts of guitars from friends and from family, and finally, I spent months and months and months researching to find the perfect guitar, and I found her. We actually have a picture, what she looks like. Look at that. Mmm. Mmm. That's the Alvarez PD-80SC, for those of you taking notes. It's a beautiful guitar. In fact, I've got a little, uh, little description. This is, this is so good. I love, this guitar is amazing. The solid mahogany back. Just pause. Okay, its backbone is mahogany. How, how good is this? Guy? Mahogany, it's like a bookshelf or something. The solid mahogany back on the Alvarez Professional PD-80SC works with the solid Engelman spruce top to generate loud, well-defined tone without brittle highs, which is good. I hate brittle highs. Get those brittle highs out of here. I don't want them. Gold tuners. That's right. I got some gold on this baby. On my guitar, I've got gold. Amazing. Gold tuners. Natural maple binding on the rosewood fingerboard and headstock. Maple and herringbone body binding. And abalone rosette lend elegant visuals. I don't even know what that stuff means, but it sounds awesome. It's just so good. System 600T MK2 electronics feature three-band EQ, notch filter, and an AUX-N for optional magnetic pickup or internal condenser mic, whatever you fancy. Just a, just a beautiful, beautiful guitar. I, look, I don't know if it's possible to lust after a guitar, but I got pretty close with this one. I mean, this thing was awesome. So, after months and months of research, I bought her. $600 for this guitar, which I know uh, for some of you does not sound like a lot of money, but when you are a poor college student, $600 is more than all you have. Like literally, um, I did not have a possession even half the cost of this guitar. This was very clearly my most prized possession. I had not spent anywhere near this much money on anything else but this guitar. And so here I am leading, leading worship at a camp up in North Georgia with my brand new Alvarez PD-80SC. And my friend Jeremy Ransom comes up to me. And he says, hey man, uh, can I borrow your guitar? <laughs> now, now, like a good Christian person would have been like, oh, totally. Like, no, but I, I, uh, it, it, it was extremely difficult for me. Literally, this guitar at the time that I had it, uh, when he asked me, was less than 48 hours old. 
I mean, it, like, it had that new guitar smell. You know what I'm saying? Like, it, it was just a thing of beauty. And here my friend is asking to borrow my guitar. Uh, but, you know, I like, I like Jeremy. Jeremy is a really, really good friend of mine. And so because I liked him, only because I liked him, I let him borrow my guitar. And so now he had something valuable of mine. <laughs> so you can bet my eye was on him, right? Like wherever he went, my guitar went with him. And see, the same is true of God. God cares for you, so he has given you something valuable. <laughs> so you can bet his eye is on you. Wherever you go, his spirit goes with you. Like when you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, the spirit of Almighty God is given to you. God gives you his spirit. And so he is jealous for you. He loves you. He longs for you. You're not the only one that wants something for your life. God wants something for your life. God has plans for you. God actually cares for you. He's given you something valuable. His most prized possession, his spirit, he has given to you. He loves you. He loves you. So, so once we, I mean, I mean, once we wrap our minds around that, once we actually understand that the God of the universe loves me, what do we do? I mean, what do we do with that information? And so James goes on. In verse 7, he says this. Submit yourselves then to God. In response to all this, in response to the fact that God actually cares for you, that he has given you something valuable of his, submit yourselves to God. See, submit Submit means when you want one thing and then God wants something else, even though you really want that thing, you choose God. That means when you, when you get into like, you know, fork in the road and you want to go right and God says go left, you go left. That means when you really, really want to hold a grudge against that person because they have wronged you so much. And God says, forgive them. Submitting means you forgive them. It means when you're in an argument with someone, and I mean, you are just verbally assaulting them. Like, it is the best argument of all time, and you're about to wrap it up with a clean, neat bow, and it'll go down in history as the greatest argument ever, and you are clearly the winner. There's no question. And then God whispers in your ear to let it go. Submitting means you let it go. It means you let it go. Because see, God cares for you, and maybe, maybe, just maybe, wild thought, the God of the universe may actually know what's best for you. He may actually know what's best for you. Here's how I know. Uh, has, has, has anyone ever made a decision, ever, that they later regretted? Anyone ever made a decision you later regretted, right? Like, like, like there was that guy that you really wanted to tell off, and so then you finally get face-to-face -face with him, and you tell him off, and you think you're going to feel so good, and then you feel awful, and you look back, and, and you're like, 
I thought that was going to help, but I actually wish I hadn't done that. I, I, I regret what I've done. Or maybe, have you ever wanted something so badly, like you chase after that thing, but for whatever reason, there's circumstances that don't allow you to get there, and then later you look back in life, and you think, I, <laughs> I'm actually glad I didn't get that thing I wanted. Like, like, like maybe it's a girl that you really like, but because of her family, or because of your family, or crazy circumstances at school, or friends, or there's something that, that you can't date that girl even though you really, really want to. And then a few months pass, maybe a year, and you look back and you think, I, like, I really liked that girl, but I'm actually glad we didn't date. Like, it's weird. It's weird because I could have sworn that was going to be the best thing for me, but I'm glad we didn't date. See, this is evidence that sometimes God actually knows what's best for you. All the time he knows what's best for you, but sometimes even when you don't think he does, he does. So, so when there's conflict, James is saying, first admit and then submit. First admit and then submit. Anytime you're in conflict, the first thing to do is admit Admit, you know what, we're in conflict because I'm not getting what I want. And deep down, maybe, maybe I don't trust God to give me what I need. But he loves me. I mean, he has given me his most prized possession. He cares for me. So I can trust him. And I'll submit to him. First admit and then Submit. First admit, I'm just not getting what I want, but I can trust that God will actually give me what I need so I can submit to him. And I'm telling you, if you do this, it'll change your relationships. I mean, you'll go from relational ruin to relational renewal. See, conflict corrupts, but conflict can correct. Conflict can correct. There's actually good things that can come from conflict if we'll do this, if we'll first admit and then submit. First admit and then submit to whatever God says. In fact, I tell you, a, a mark of maturity, and, and, and this takes boldness to do. I get it, it does. But if you'll do this out loud in the heat of the argument, <laughs> I tell you, it'll be unreal, the results you have. If, 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 if like right as your, as your blood pressure starts to rise, right as the tension starts to rise, right as you're just at your angriest moment, you remember this, you say, you know what? I'm just upset because I'm not getting what I want. But God cares for me. And he's going to give me what I need. So I'll submit to him. If you do this, like you, you will feel the tension in the room released. It's unreal. It's unreal. So here's what I want us to do. Um, you've got a little bit of space at the bottom of your notes. And conflict is something that we all deal with. There's, there's names and there's relationships 
And what I want you to do is I want you to write down the three relationships that are right now in relational ruin that need to move to relational renewal. I want you to write down the the names of three people. And then as you're writing down those names, I want you to I want you to ask God, God, I'm upset with this person or I'm upset with these people because I'm not getting what I want. Would you help me trust you? Would you help me trust what you say? And then I want you to do something bold. I want you to ask him, what does it look like for me to submit? What does it look like for me to submit to you in this specific situation? How can I submit to you in these relationships? Maybe, maybe for some of you, the thing that you needed most tonight was to realize that God actually cares for you. See, you've been fighting so long all of these battles because you thought you were the only one that cared for you and that cared for your life and that cared for your dreams and you completely forgot about the fact that God actually cares for you, that God actually loves you. But maybe for others of you, you think, you think of those relationships and maybe there's one in particular that you need to apologize. Maybe it's with your parents. I mean, you guys keep fighting and communication is such a tough thing for your parents. And maybe the most painful thing is what God's actually calling you to do. Maybe submitting for you means apologizing to your parents. Maybe the way that you can trust God in your life is apologizing to them. Maybe there's a grudge that you've been holding on to, and you've been holding on to it for years because you just want to like stick it to that person. You want that person to feel your pain, and so you've been holding on to this grudge. And maybe, maybe when you ask God, God, how do I submit to you? Maybe he's going to whisper to forgive that person. Maybe you need to forgive. And so the band's going to come up. And I want, you to, I want you to look at these names and I want you to ask God, God, what does it look like for me to first admit and then submit to what you have to say? God, how do you want me to handle these relationships? Even though it may be different than what I want, how can I submit to you? I want you to ask him. I want you to pray to God, and, and uh, in just a second, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray for you all, because this is tough. <laughs> this isn't easy. It's not easy to forgive. It's not easy to let go of bitterness. But we can because God loves us, because God has given us his spirit. And so we can submit to what he has to say. First admit, and then submit. Let's pray. God, we are surrounded by conflict. And it's because we're not getting the things that we want. We think that we know what's best for us. 
We think if we don't get what we want, then we're not going to get what we need, and we forget to trust you. We forget to trust what you say. So God, we, we need help. We do. God, in this room, I know there's bitterness that people are holding on to. And I want you to give them the strength to let go. They've held on long enough. God, there are people that they've known they need to forgive for so long. But they've been holding that grudge. Would you help them forgive? Would you speak clearly, God, that when they look at those names that I do need to forgive that person. God, maybe we need to apologize. Maybe submitting looks like apologizing. So God, would you give us the strength to trust you? Help us put our faith in action by actually believing that you're big enough for us. By actually believing that you care for us and by actually trusting you with these relationships. God, we love you and we need you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.